Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. And so today I kind of want to, in light of, of the sacrifice of the Anzacs, I want to look at what does it look like for us to do that? What does it look like for us to, to sacrifice for, for another generation, for sacrifice for, for those at home, to sacrifice for those that we love? If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 13 uh, to 16, and, and then we'll pray. It says this. I'm reading from the NLT translation. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the children of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. One more time, why don't you bow your heads with me and and let's pray. God, we thank you so much for, for these coming moments as we, as we turn our attention towards your scripture, as we, as we intentionally ponder on what does it look like to, to sacrifice for others? What does it look like to reach another generation? What does it look like to establish something for, for those who are to come? God, I pray that, that these wouldn't be my words, that it wouldn't be my ideas, that I wouldn't seek to convince anyone of anything, but today that your word would go out that it would land in hearts, that it would transform us from the inside out, that we would leave here not just with knowledge, but, but, but knowing that we encountered a living, risen God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I, I kind of, there's, there's a bunch to unpack in, in this idea, right? So I, I got some points later on, but first I need some like provisos. It's like that, you know, when you, you see those ads on TV and they're like, hey, buy this thing, it'll, it'll solve all your problems. And it's like 10 seconds and then there's 20 seconds of the bit afterwards, like this product may not solve all of your problems. It may not solve any of your problems. This product, this product may make your problems worse. Do not buy this product, right? It's, it's kind of like that, except not the, none of the bad things. It's just a, some, some interesting things beforehand. That was a bad example to use. I didn't write that in my notes. Can you tell when I use examples that aren't in my notes? Because I don't land super great. Like I'm working it out as I say it. I'm like, that's, anyway. Uh, so I want to <laughs> say a couple of things first, right? I, I think there might be some of us in the room who when we hear something like grow younger or, or reach another generation, we go, oh, I, I guess that's it for me then, right? Like, I, I guess that means that I've had my go at changing the world and, and now I'm passing the baton on to, to someone else, and for some of us, when we, we hear that or when we think that, we think it with some bitterness. Like, man, I don't really think that I'm done, but, but I guess I'm being sidelined and, and this doesn't feel fair. Like, I feel like I'm being told to sit down when I've got plenty more in me. And then for, for some of us, we, we hear that and we, or we think that and we think it with some relief. Like, oh, man, this has been hard. Like, I'm so glad that I, I get to get out. I don't know how good we've, we've got it. I don't know how well we've gone, but I'm out. You're in. Good luck, right? Like, go to it. Go change the world. I didn't, but see what happens. Yeah, and, I, and I think both of those things, I want to be very clear, when we think of, of growing younger, when we talk of reaching another generation, we talk of being a generational church, nowhere in that is it implied or can you do not have permission to take away that anyone is hanging up their boots. Yeah, that, that anyone is, is counting themselves out, that anyone has done and is finished and is just kind of coasting to the finish line. I want to say if you're not dead, you're not done. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying we can't rest. I'm not saying that we, we don't kind of take it and, you know, and then there might be seasons of going and there might be seasons of resting. Jesus went into the wilderness to have some time to pray and to rest, to meet with his father, to then go out on mission again. I'm not saying that, that it's constantly 100 all the time, but I am saying no one retires from the call. 
No one retires from mission. No one retires from the kingdom. God is not finished with you. We are all called and we all remain called. Mission is not just for a certain age group in church because we are intergenerational, which isn't necessarily the norm, is it? To, to, to prize, to value, to go after being an intergenerational people. I think we hear about this all, uh, all the time in the media. Nothing generates clicks like, like intergenerational conflict, yeah? Has anyone read, like, breaking news, millennials eat too much avocado toast, yeah? Or breaking news, boomers bought all the houses. Like, it's just whatever it is, it's like, hey, how about we put something out there and you guys can fight, right? Because someone's going to get mad and they're going to click on, click on the article and that's going to generate a nice little profit and the cycle continues if you're a little bit uh, maybe, you know, pessimistic about the, the state of, of the media in general, like I am. I see that happening. Yeah, and I want to say we are not like that. We're not wanting to, to sow uh, artificial divides between generations. One of the narratives out there is this frustration of a younger generation of inheriting a mess, right? Like the older generation saying, hey, look, we couldn't do it. We couldn't fix the world. We couldn't clean up the mess. So you'll have to. We're out. We've, we've done our best. We've given it, you know, the good old college try, and, and now it's your turn. That's not what we're about. Right? Nowhere in reaching another generation, nowhere in growing younger is it a hospital pass to another generation to say, hey, you know, I guess you're going to have to transform the world for Jesus because it didn't work out so great for us. It takes all of us to, to reach the world. It takes all of us to, to outwork the mission that, that God has for us. And while we're all doing what we can, we're doing what we can so that another generation can take it further. Right, I want to be really clear, we all, young and old, have a role to play. No one is benched because you're never too young or too old. The Bible is very clear that no one is too young or too old to be used by God. You are all, we are all vital. Right, so it's not about abdicating responsibility, it's about growing younger. In our text, we have this interesting situation and then I think an even more interesting principle. One day, some parents hear that Jesus is in town and, and, and they're sensible parents, as you know, parents are, are defined by sensibility, uh, maybe. Uh, and, and they think to themselves, look, this guy seems to be special. Let's get him to bless our kids, which, which is a great idea. Yeah, and so they, they, they bring the, their kids to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, can you bless our kids? And then the disciples rush in. They're like, no, 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 no. Right, the disciples obviously have had some experience with children. That children are sticky. Children are germy. Children, Jesus is going to be praying for them and they're going to interrupt his prayer by like pulling on his ear or punching him in the stomach, sticking his finger up. No, no, we don't, we don't have time for your sticky, germy children, right? Jesus is doing important work. We are important people. Leave Jesus alone. And Jesus' response is bring the children. See, I, I think as a church, as a people, as, as a people of faith, we need to have a passion to bring children to Jesus, to put, to put kids, our kids, your kids, any kids, all kids, any children we can find, find a child on the street, bring them to church, right? Side of, sort of a joke, not, not really a joke, right? Maybe do it without breaking any laws would be important. Kidnapping is, is probably a step too far, right? But we want to we put children in an environment in which they can be told that they're loved, in which they can be told that they are called, in which they can be told that they are valued, in which they can be told that, that they matter. And one of the things that amazes me about church, and this is not like a criticism of church, it's just something that I find really interesting, is that we do not have like a, a line months long to serve in the kids' team. And I think about it, if you can think of something amazing to do, if you can think of something incredible to, to spend your life on, to spend your time on, I would think it would be volunteering to, to let children know, to let kids know that they are a part of something special, 
that they are loved, that they are called, that to, to have an opportunity to speak truth and love over the children of this church. I want to say, if you are fortunate enough to have a child in your life, however that might be, as a grandparent, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a caregiver, as a mother, as a father, I pray that one of the driving goals in your life is to bring those children to Jesus. Because I want to say, you know, we don't want to force them into anything, Yeah. We've all kind of seen that, or maybe you've unfortunately experienced that. No one's like, hey, you have to be in church, and you have to do this, because what we end up doing is forcing them into something that, that actually drives them away from Jesus. We're not trying to do that, but we're not trying to force them into making a decision or, or anything of the such, but to put them in a situation, to put them in a circumstance, to share the faith that we have so that they know what this is about, so that they, when the time comes, can make a decision for themselves, right? That's why we dedicate children in this church. We're not saying, hey, we're making a decision for them. We're saying we are dedicating ourselves and this child to creating an environment in which they will hear the truth of the gospel. And I think we, we all want our best for, for our children, right? We want them to, to be successful. We want them to do well at school. We want them to, to play the piano like Mozart. Maybe it's just more of a me-specific thing. I like the idea of my children entertaining me on the, on the piano. And I think that's all great, but I think we're missing it if above all that, our primary goal is not to bring them to Jesus. If we want our kids to have great report cards and be incredible sports people and artistic and eloquent and all the rest, that's fantastic. But if any of those things are our primary goal above and beyond introducing them to Jesus who loves them, I think that we're not setting them up as well as we could for, for their lives. And so, and so I guess I just wonder, what can we do even practically to, to bring the children to Jesus? Maybe you can bring a child in your life to, to church. Again, you know, if they're not your child, preferably with their, their parent or caregiver's permission, I think is a fairly important part of that, right? But, but maybe you're, you're a parent, you're realizing, man, I need to be more regular in my attendance of church because this isn't just for me. I can take it or leave it. I can attend online, but, but my children need to be an environment in which someone other than me is telling them that they're loved, that they don't just think, sure, mom's going to tell me that Jesus loves me because that's what mom says, but that they hear it from other people that are surrounded by a family, a community who love them. Maybe you can start reading the Bible as a, as a family. We've just found this, this app. You know, I don't like to, I would say I don't like to push apps from the stage, but I talk about apps all the time, so that would just be a lie. Obviously, I like to talk about apps from the stage. Uh, There's an app called Lectio for Family. And it's just an incredible devotional tool to go through with, with your family, you know, once a day and, and, and look over a memory verse and, and have some structured time of prayer, not because you need structure so much, but because it's such a great opportunity to teach our kids, hey, this is what we do. We've been doing it, and it, it's got kind of these three bits that it ends with. It talks about, hey, you know, uh, Jesus in our hearts, God, give us eyes to see, and Holy Spirit, let us hear you. And it's amazing watching Harriet sit at the table, and she's like, she doesn't really know. She's like, yeah, heart is eyes. I pray that that lands in you in some way that, that later on in your life, you're thinking about how you interact with God and you think about your heart. God, would I, would I receive something of Jesus in my heart? God, give me eyes to see how I can be at work in your mission in the world. God, Holy Spirit, would, would I be able to hear your, your promptings? You know, I think, what, how, are we, how are we setting up our, our children to come to, how are we bringing our children to Jesus? Maybe it's practical. Maybe you're just like, oh, I think I'm going to join the kids team, right? I want to let you know. We, we, yes, thank you. We would love that, yeah? We've got many opportunities to, to serve our children in this church. But I guess what I'm saying is let's be like the parents in this story. Because when the parents, when, when the parents bring their children to Jesus, what does Jesus do? He, he blesses them. And, and by the way, his response to the disciples who want to keep the children away from Jesus is he's mad. In the message version, I love it. He says, it says that Jesus was irate and he lets them know it. He says, don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. 
And then he goes on even further and he says, don't just bring the children to me, but be like them. Unless you are like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom. It's a big statement, right? And so for the rest of of our time together, for the next kind of 15, 20 minutes, uh, 15 minutes, I want to talk about what does it look like to, to grow younger? Yeah, maybe turn to your neighbor and say, hey, would you like to grow younger? It felt weird, eh? You know, feels like you're trying to sell them something, like a, a supplement or a series of vitamins. On your way out the door, we have uh, John O'Brown branded vitamins. They're only $50 a bottle, and they're guaranteed to... No, that's a complete lie. Uh, but what does, this, what does this mean, right, to, to grow younger? I, I, I want to bring you a quote which will initially confuse you if you're anything like me, but as we unpack it, I, I think it will be helpful. It, it makes sense that it would confuse you because it's from Chesterton, who, if you've read much of G.K. Chesterton, most of what he says is fairly confusing on the first reading, but it says this, G.K. Chesterton, God has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Sounds a little bit like Yoda, yeah? Well, our father is younger than we. You know, fair enough, if, if, if you read that and you're a little bit like, okay, Jono, that, that clears it all up. I wasn't sure what it meant to grow younger, and now you've read some old white dude who sounds like Yoda, and, and now I understand completely what, what you were talking about. Right, but, but let me un- unpack this a little bit, because I think uh, from this kind of basis, from this idea of growing younger, I want to unpack, unpack four kind of applications. Basically, what, what Chesterton is saying is that when sin entered the world, age began. Yeah, in, in the garden, before there was sin, there wasn't age. No one was getting any closer to dying, because that's what age is, to, to not rain on your parade too much. But age is our slow, <laughs> incremental march towards death, right? So my back tells me, so my knees tells me, right? Like, we're not getting any, any better unless God's going to do a rejuvenating work in this body, which, let's pray that He does, right? No one's getting any younger naturally. We're, we are all aging, but God isn't. Yeah, when sin entered the world, we started aging, we started traveling towards death, but God didn't. God is unchanging. He doesn't get old. He's forever young. Now, now God is not young as maybe we immediately think of young. Maybe we think of like young as, as naive, as, as inexperienced, but young as in he is never a day closer to dying. God has eternally remained as we were meant to be. So you could say as far as aging goes, our father is younger than we are. God isn't getting any older. God's not any closer to death. Things in him are not getting creaky and old and achy and too hard. And I'm not just talking about our backs and knees. I'm talking about maybe our hearts and our hopes, right? God is not getting bitter. God is not getting jaded. God is not shutting off and thinking, I'm just going to coast throughout the rest of my life. And that's not just something that happens when you're numerically old, yeah? I think it's important to say we, we can confuse age with, with wisdom. And generally, hopefully, we do get wiser as we get older, although I would say that's not necessarily always a, a given in, in my experience anyway. I'm talking about myself. As I get older, I'm not sure that I get much wiser because I was obviously very wise to, to begin with is what's happening there. But, but we don't necessarily get wiser, and, and we do want to get wiser, but we don't want to get older. And being young isn't just associated with how many years we've been on the planet. Yeah, I've met some, some very, very old 20-year-olds who are old at heart, a dying heart, worn out and bitter. And I've met some vibrant, young at heart, 90-year-olds. Yeah, it's not a, a measure of how long we've been here, but it's, it's a measure of how young is our heart. And so I, I believe that the good news today is if you're feeling old at heart, if you're feeling a little bit worn out, a little bit maybe bitter and jaded, we can grow younger. 
And, and the invitation of the gospel is to become like children again, to start a brand new life that has no end, to be born again and to be young at heart like, like God is. So, so, so to land this practically, hopefully Chesterton's a little bit more understandable. We'll never go for fully understanding Chesterton because that just seems, uh, you know, impossible. But, but hopefully that makes a little bit more sense, that idea of God is eternally an infant, not because he's naive, but because he is forever young and we are getting older. And so age is not necessarily something that is from God. That aging in terms of getting more and more worn out, sick of life, hard-hearted, that that is not something that we need to accept, just has to happen. We can choose to go against our natures and to grow younger like God is. So practically, what, is, what does that look like? If you're taking notes today, I have four things that I think that we can admire in the heart of a child and foster in our own lives to help us to grow younger. Yeah, is it all right? You got room for four things? 1058, we'll do it in, in short time because while we are not children, some of us have the attention spans of children. That's me over here, right? I'll get distracted as I'm preaching. So point number one uh, is creativity. I don't know about you, about you, but I found that kids are just endlessly creative. One of my favorite things to watch is, uh, is, is my children at play. We've got two children, Ollie, who's four, and, and Harriet, who's two. Uh, and, and they will turn a stick into anything. Yeah, like just it will be transformed in, in the blinking of an eye into literally anything. Harriet at the moment is obsessed with dogs and babies. And so we'll be at the park. She'll find a stick and she'll be walking around the park holding the stick, shushing it like, shh, shh, shh. It's okay. It's okay, sticky. Shh, shh, shh. And she'll go and she doesn't call it sticky, but you know, and she'll put it to sleep and, and like some, and then she'll be upset. She'll be like, my baby, I lost my baby. I'm like, you put a stick on the ground amongst the other sticks. I can't help you here, right? But I love how, how just the creativity is, is innate in them, that, that it's just an, an expression of who they are. You don't have to tell a child to be creative. They just naturally do it. I think Pablo Picasso explained it well when he said, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain one once we grow up. Creativity is, is quintessentially childlike. Children see the world this way, but for us, creativity becomes a muscle that we have to keep on using. We have to keep on expressing or else it, it starts to shrivel and it goes away. For children, it's intuitive. It's their, their worldview. But for us, we need to, to choose creativity. And, and I believe that when we choose creativity, we embrace something of who God is because God is creative. Do you know the fifth word in the Bible is create, right? In the beginning, God is created. I practiced that at home a number of times because I thought I'd count wrong, right? Fifth, fifth word of the Bible is created. In the beginning, God created. God is a creative God. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that we are in fact God's art. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Art is not separate from, from our faith or, or from our call. The, the good things, the ways in which we are meant to bring something of heaven to, to earth in which we can share the gospel, they're meant to be creative. And you might hear all this. You might think, man, John, have you met me? I'm not the creative type. Right, like creativity is, is not me. That may, might be right for the, for the artsy-fartsy types. I don't know if you can say fartsy from the stage. I think you can. Um, you know, that might be all right for them, for, for the artists, but, but that's not me. I'm, I'm not a creative like that. But I want to say you are because you were created in the image and the likeness of an artist, of the artist. But you might need to change the, the, the narrow, rigid views that you have of creativity and art. Right? You're like, oh, no, 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 that's only something when there's like paint and canvas and messiness involved. And I don't like mess, right? And so I'm not, I'm not a creative. I want to say you can be creative in the way that you raise your kids. 
You can be creative in the way that you solve problems. You can be creative in the way that you organize, yeah? Anyone ever seen like a well-organized pantry? That is a work of art, yeah? You can be creative in the way that you balance books. I have seen spreadsheets, which confound me just as much as a painting, right? Like I'm like, I don't know how that painting was made. I don't know how that spreadsheet was made. Both of them seem foreign to me, and both of them are equally a work of art. But we need to choose to view our life as, as an opportunity for creativity, for, for innovation, because it's in you. But it won't happen on its own. And so refuse to abandon creativity and choose to grow younger. But to do that, it, it might take my, my second characteristic of a child, which is curiosity. If anyone's ever spent like five minutes with a toddler, you know kids are, are curious, right? Can I get an amen? Like it's, it's constant. Any, any, any uh, parents out there, you're like, yeah, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit too constant sometimes. All the time, kids are, are, are questioning, which kind of makes sense because they're only trying to learn everything. So, like, fair enough to them, yeah? And, and, and the first question is what? Yeah? Like, like, you know, they'll point out the window as you're driving through the countryside. They'll be like, what's that? Like, ah, oh, that's a cow. And they point out the next window, they're like, cow? You're like, no, that's a horse. But I can see how it's a confusing sort of principle, right? And then they, they walk on the street and they see a dog. They're like, cow? You're like, you're just, you're just playing games with me now. I know that you don't think that's a cow, right? And then once they get what, they move on to, to why, which why is just a beautiful question, isn't it? We all love, we love why. My favorite thing is when you come up with a very, very good answer to why. Like you think it through, you're like, I think I've, I've taken you through this kind of whole journey to answer the why. You give them this well-rounded answer. You're like, fine, I, th- I think we've landed it there. And they're like, hmm, Why? Like, what do you mean why? Well, why the thing you just said? Like, I don't know. There was, I gave it my best shot, kid. Like, this is it. Your, your, your dad is a fallible man, and this is, this is as far as we get. I cannot explain any more of this concept to you, and you just end up in that lovely parent stage of just because. Why? Just, just, I don't know, just because. Just, just please stop. But curiosity is, is essential. Yeah, no, no kid ever learned to crawl through an innate desire to accomplish crawling. No, no child is ever sitting there on the floor, and they're like, oh, man, if I'm looking at my, uh, my, my developmental milestones, Next couple of weeks, I really got to start crawling or else I'm going to be behind on the game and no one, no one wants that. I better, I better start crawling, better work this out, right? No, instead they see something across the room. They're like, what's that? I wonder how it tastes. Right, I'm going to move myself towards it, yeah? Any, any parents have seen that? Ollie, for a long time, his main mode of, of crawling was he just liked to do the bum shuffle, which was fine because it was a little bit slower, so I actually preferred it. And then one day he was, he was at a church event and he saw another kid his age just crawl across the room and he was like, that makes sense. And so he just started crawling from that day on. He's like, yeah, no, no, I can do that. That's cool, right? But curiosity is, is innate to children. And I wonder, can we have a childlike curiosity? Re- reading the Gospels, one of the things that the disciples always do again and again and again with Jesus is they have questions. They ask God, why did that happen? God, why didn't this happen? God, what did you mean when you said that? They say Jesus, right, at the time, because anyway, it's some Christology for you. But well, I, I wonder, have we stopped asking questions? Have we stopped asking questions of, of God? Have we stopped asking questions of, of how the world works or how we can be a part of the transformation that Jesus wants to bring about in our lives? In Matthew 7 and in Luke 11, Jesus encourages us to ask, to seek, and to not. Right? We've, we've never seen it all. We'll never know it all. So don't settle. Search. Ask. And maybe we've stopped asking because we've stopped caring. See, the, the third characteristic of a child, I think, is, is compassion. 
Yeah, and there needs to be something in our hearts that motivates our curiosity at times. It's not just how does the world work, but it's why is that broken in that way and how can I be a part of that? And there needs to be something of compassion in our hearts to move us to that curiosity. And again, I feel this is innate to, to children. In fact, studies have shown that, that babies are born with compassion. Like, how'd they measure that? Right, well, what, what they did in an interesting study, they took babies and they played them crying sounds of another baby. And, and often the baby hearing these sounds of another baby crying would join in, crying along with them as if to say, like, I, I know your pain. I, I feel what's going on. It was just a moment ago we were in the sweet, like, hot tub getting be- uh, food into our belly buttons, and now we're out in the big wide world, and it, it's a harsh place to be. Like, I get it. Like, I can relate, yeah? And, and it's interesting in that it wasn't the same if they just played loud noises. It wasn't like the baby was like, that's really loud, stop it. And even more interestingly, it wasn't the same if they played a recording of that baby crying back to themselves. There was a special reaction that happened when the baby heard the recording of another baby other than themselves crying because there's a natural capacity in us for compassion which again is expressing something of God because God is compassionate. And in Exodus 34, God describes himself to Moses. And one of the ways he describes himself is by calling himself the God of compassion and mercy. But again, just because we're born with compassion doesn't mean we stay compassionate, does it? Just like we can grow out of creativity and curiosity, we can grow old in our hearts and and let it die off. We can lose our compassion. And and maybe today you're realizing, I I think I can rediscover something of the compassionate nature that God has put innately in me. Maybe something practical you can do, and I'd even suggest to do this as a family, to nurture compassion, is, could be something as simple as, as partnering with us as we support 0800 Hungry. Yeah, this, this charity in which literally all we do, they gather together groceries for, for families in food poverty who just need uh, something, something to help them along in a, in a season of their life. And, and we can bring, uh, we just go and pick up the groceries and deliver them to someone's house. Right? It's, it's literally the easiest part that we can play in, in the act of supporting them. But there's, there's something in that act that I think it's a great opportunity to, to reflect on the house that we're delivering this package to, to think about the situation that they're in, to pray for them, to build compassion. My fourth and, and final characteristic of a child that we can foster in ourselves, as I get the band up, I'm, I'm, I'm basically done, is that to grow younger, I think we need to pursue courage. Kids are courageous, yeah? I, I love it. We'll be at the playground and I'll, I'll turn around. Harriet will have climbed something high. She'll be like, Dad, catch. We're like, hey. okay. Luckily, that one worked out, right? Maybe you give me some warning ahead of time. And then I'll turn from, from saving Harriet from jumping off a high thing. And Ollie will be on like the bike pump track. And he's trying to get as much air as he can. He's like, Dad, I just saw a 15-year-old do a flip. I reckon I can do it. He's going for it. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't want to crush your dreams, buddy, but I'm going to have the ambulance on speed dial just in case, right? Like, go for gold. Don't tell your mama let you do this. But I think courage is something that's innately in children. I think often it's because they know if anything happens, dad's there. Or, or maybe if I'm, I'm being honest with myself, it's usually because you know, mum's there because mum solves most of the problems, right? If something happens, dad's like, oh, you're hurt. Mum, help. <laughs> that's what dad does when he hurts himself too, right? Like, ah, I hurt my finger. Em, help. I need to go to the hospital. Like, you need a plaster and to stop being such a baby. I'm growing younger. <laughs> but I wonder, where, where in our lives have we, have we lost our courage? Now, where, and in fact, it's because it feels scary in this weird kind of way to, to, to be childlike. It, it feels scary if we talk about being creative. We're like, what happens if I try something creative and, and people think it's dumb? 
It feels scary to be curious. We're like, what happens if I ask a question and it's, it's too hard a question? And then I have this, I didn't, I wasn't worrying about it before. And now I ask this big question and now I've got this big question. And what do I do with that? Or to be compassionate, well, I don't want to care because if I care, like that's uncomfortable and that hurts. And, and, and I close myself off because it's easier to just pretend that nothing is, is there. I think it takes courage to be childlike. It takes courage to be creative. It takes courage to be curious. It takes courage to be compassionate. I want to I want to finish with a, a quote from one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, who uh, just is a, another kind of. There's been a bunch of free tips in, in today's message. If you, if you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia, let alone if you haven't read it with a child in your life, I think that's a a great idea, a great thing to do. It's an incredible series of books. But but he says this. This is C.S. Lewis speaking of himself. When I was ten. I read fairy tales in secret and would have been ashamed if I had been found doing so. Now that I am 50, I read them openly. When I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness and the desire to be very grown up. Now I wonder if today, what if the, what if the most mature thing that we could do is to embrace a little bit more of the childlike nature that God's put in us. Not to be childish, if you know what I mean. Right? We don't want any tantrums out in the foyer, please. But to embrace that, that opportunity to come to God like a child, to stop thinking that you have to have it all figured out, to stop thinking that you always need to look put together and perfect, that, that you always need to maintain the, the veneer of, of perfection. When We all know if anyone's like us, no one's perfect any of the time, let alone all of the time. Right? To embrace the courage that says, I'm going to be defined by my Father, by my God, who loves me, who is cheering me on, who made me innately creative who put compassion and curiosity in me, that these are gifts from my heavenly Father and my Father does not give bad gifts and so I'm gonna embrace them. I'm gonna choose to grow younger that while sin might have entered the world and age might have begun and we might be traveling towards death and before we get there, there can be a decay in our soul a tiring with the world and the way that things are that I'm gonna choose to, to not let that happen. I'm going to choose to actively grow younger, not that we sell a miracle cure, but that we know a miracle God, the only God of the rebirth, the only God of the renewal, the only God of the resurrection, that as we come to Him with that which is in us, which is dried up, which is shriveled, as we come to Him with our hearts of stone, He is the only God who can give us a heart of flesh. We can say, hey, I can see that you're worn out. I can see that you're tired. I can see that that's heavy. It doesn't need to be that way. It's not necessarily your fault that it's that way. I'm sorry those things happen to you. But just because that's where you are does not mean that's where you're going to stay. That as we bring who we are and, and, and where we're at to God, we can be born anew in Him and find a, a new childlike nature. But I think it starts with that courage. The courage to be creative. The courage to be curious. The courage to be compassionate like a child. And that courage only comes from the place of relating to God as our Father. As Jesus says, of entering the kingdom of heaven like a child. Not naive, but refusing to be jaded. When we feel old and worn out, to come to God and ask Him to give us a new heart. And so in a moment, just as maybe as we bow our heads, as we close our eyes. If you're here today and you can relate to that feeling, 
And I feel like if we're being honest with ourselves, surely it's most of us in the room. I know it's me. Of there are some things in me which can feel a bit worn out. There are some things in me which can feel a bit creaky and old and they don't have the bounce that they used to. I find it hard to hope like I used to. I find it hard to dream like I used to. I find it hard to be creative. I don't know when I stopped creating, but somewhere along the way, I find it hard to, to be curious like I used to, to be compassionate like I find it hard to trust like I used to. If you know that today you want to come to God in a fresh and a new way like a child, in a moment, I'm just going to invite you to, to do the only thing that I think or can think to do. In the passage we read, the parents brought their children to Jesus. In this situation, I'm asking you to bring yourself to Him. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you if you know that you want to embrace God in a new and a childlike way to simply stand to your feet. Not that standing is anything special, but as an act that you can look back on to say, God, I bring myself to you. I bring myself to your feet and I ask you to bless me, to renew in me, to remake in me a childlike nature. I want to see the world with wonder. I want to see the world with awe. I want to see the world with joy. The only way that I can is by standing next to my Father, knowing that He is with me, that what He has made me to be is good. So if that's you, if you're in the same camp as me and saying, God, I want to relate to you more like a father, in your own time, in this moment, why don't you stand to your feet? You're saying, God, that's me. I want to know you like a child. You don't have to. There's no pressure. But I believe for many of us, is that sense of, God, I, I know that you are creative. I know that you're compassionate. I know that you are loving. I know that, that you put a curiosity in me and I want to relate to you as you have made me to relate to you. Like a child. Come on, as, as hands are raised, as hearts are open. I want to pray for you and then the band's just going to lead us in a song of worship. As they do, I pray that, that you would come to God as, as you need to. You would come to God as a child, that you would create space for, for Him to speak for you, to Him to meet you where you're at, for Him to love you for Him to remind you that you don't have to be all that grown up. You don't have to have it all sorted. You can trust in Him as a father. God, we stand here today as your children. God, will we be defined by your love, the love of a father, the love that says that we're safe, the love that says that we are valued, the love that says that we are called. God, would you give us the courage? Would you give us the courage to even find the courage in ourselves? to be creative, to be compassionate, to be curious, that we would grow younger, that there would be something different about us that the world would look and see and say, there's a childlike wonder in you. What is it that you have? Who do you know? What's transformed you? That everyone else grows older, but we would grow younger. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 